Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Welcome to Underdogs. I'm Tom Aberstroh. There's Jordan Brenner. Peter Keating, the namesake of Peter Keating, St. Peter's, pulls off the upset. You mocked them last episode. You said, no, they can't do this. They can't pull off the upset over Kentucky. You even talked about their New Jersey roots and just said, no, it's not going to happen. Wait, 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 wait. We mocked them? You said they had no chance. You waved them off. Okay. Go back to the videotape. Uh, oh, I, I, was not, about, I, mean, I was talking about fault, Rutgers. It... I mean, I was talking about FDU, and and you just brushed them all off, if I recall. It was it was an incredible game. Uh, my wife my <laughs> wife is a huge Kentucky fan. She's from Kentucky. Her dad went to Kentucky. When I first met her at college. I said I was a big sports fan, and I asked her if she watched sports. I don't remember this conversation. A little foggy in a, in, a, in a fraternity basement or something like that. She goes, oh, yeah, I can name the starting five of the Kentucky. She was like, Derek Anderson, Antoine Walker. Uh, she just ran – Ron Mercer. She just ran right through at the starting five. Last night, the Haberstra household, it was a dark place. Uh, Kentucky gets upset 85-79. Man, I think this was the first loss for Coach Cal at Kentucky in the first round. Probably the worst loss for Kentucky Wildcats history in the tournament. And we didn't see this one coming. I didn't know how many people in Vegas or the Sharps out there actually picked St. Peter's. But this is the biggest reason why there are only, what, 743 perfect brackets now at ESPN out of 17 million. It's got to be because of St. Peter's taking down Kentucky. Yeah, it's the fourth biggest measured by point spread upset since the tournament went to 64 teams. And I think it's probably a cooler game than a couple of those. I mean, and, and it's also really hard to explain. I mean, at least when Virginia lost as a number one seed, we all kind of knew in the analytics community, if I may use the royal we, that somewhere along the line, Virginia was going to just go down because they play so slow. And they were they found it hard to shake good opponents. In this case, Kentucky was not, as far as anyone could see, built to lose. But I'll tell you what, they reminded me of the Eagles going to the Super Bowl under Dick Vermeil against the Raiders when the Raiders stayed out all night. I'm not saying St. Peter's did that. I'm saying Dick Vermeil had the Eagles wound so tight they couldn't come out and blow the doors off what they thought were a better opponent. I mean, Kentucky didn't really look or play like Kentucky. What's super weird is like some of the things we were worried about manifested themselves. St. Peter's did commit 15 turnovers and they still won. Oscar Shibway had 16 boards and they still lost. I don't think we anticipated St. Peter's going nine for 17 from three, but I also th think if we'd said, all right, give me a scenario where St. Peter's does upset Kentucky. They probably, probably one where they took more than 17 threes. So I'm, I, I watched the game. I'm scratching my head. There were probably 15 different times where I thought Kentucky was going to pull away. And it just didn't happen. They just didn't look like they didn't look like a significantly better team, which I think is fascinating. Even though they did have 15 turnovers, Kentucky had 13. And and during the year, 
during the regular season, St. Peter's is one of the worst teams in the country at protecting the ball. They they kept that almost even last night. They showed a, an immense amount of discipline. Yep. All night yep. long. And it went to overtime. And, and you know, overtime, usually the, the favorite pulls away, right? If there's a reason to. And, and I think I told you that was exactly what was going to happen on the phone. And yeah, then it, yeah. We were, we were watching when it was 68-62 and we made it to over. It was just... I mean, every. By the way, very annoying thing. Time. Peter's Peter's cable was about three or four seconds ahead of mine. <laughs> so every time we were on the phone at a close ending, he'd be like, "Oh!" I'm like, "What happened? Somebody's dribbling the ball at half court." Oh! And then again, yeah. like you know, he really ruined it for me. Well, there's there's certain things that uh, no matter how many times you crunch the numbers on a team, you just don't know that they're going to go one for six at the free throw line in overtime, like Kentucky did last night. Right. Um, Severe Wheeler, he just threw the ball away seemingly every time down the stretch and was 0 for 2 in overtime and two really bad misses at the free throw oh line. Oh my God, where... the second one barely oh, grazed the rim. It and was this is you, an 82% you... free throw shooter. I've he never could seen not have looked more nervous. Like, I've oh. never seen someone that good at free throw shooting miss that terribly in a big moment. And oh. that cost him the game. I mean, you go you go on down the line, the, the entry pass to Oscar in the in the post where he just threw it way out of bounds down the stretch in overtime and then missing those two free throws. And like Oscar Shibway, like I didn't ex- expect him to go, you know, 100% at the line, but I, I can't stress this enough. You can dance on the model and say, hey, you guys should have picked St. Peter's in this. Where were you guys on St. Peter's? We can't predict that 82% free throw shooters are just going to blow it down the stretch and blow it that badly. It's just when it comes down to free throws, they missed 12 free throws in this game, shot 66% from the free throw line. You can't predict that. I'm sorry. Anybody who would say you should have predicted St. Peter's has some issues that they need to work out in other aspects of their life. And you're right. Randomness happens. You know, it it always sounds like a cop-out when people who are involved in statistics in any way, shape, or form say that, but it's true. If we could predict everything perfectly accurately, there would be no markets. There'd be no betting. It'd be, there'd be no suspense. There'd also be no fun, right? right? I mean, some some percentage of upsets are unpredictable forever, which is great. That's because that's why we get the word upset, right? And um, in retrospect, you know, you can learn some things that make you wish you could have predicted something differently or see things you didn't see before. I, I think, for example, that in that that Lehigh upset of Duke looks more explainable to our model now, 10 years ago, right? Than it than it did at the time. But there's some games like when when uh Missouri lost to Norfolk State, that that will go down as something that will blow up computers forever. It just it just happened. And in a certain way, we all have to be happy that it just happened. I mean, our model didn't come close to saying St. Peter's had a chance, but I was rooting for St. Peter's down the stretch, right? I mean, I'm sure Jordan, I'm sure we all My were, wife right? didn't sleep and, last night. She didn't yeah. sleep. She was so angry. I mean, I mean, the, Kentucky fans are as, as rabid as you'll find in college hoops. It was kind of, I, I wasn't giggling at St. Peter's taking down Coach Cal and, and Kentucky, but it was pretty awesome to see. I mean, what's Doug, what's his name? Doug, uh, Doug Edert with the mustache. Hitting oh, big shots. I mean, shots from, wait, wait, wait. From Nutley, New Jersey, from Bergen Catholic. Let me say, here's the thing about a couple of things about St. Peter's. If you play in high school <laughs> in New Jersey and you're really any good, you might play for Bergen Catholic and then you get recruited by big schools all around the country. Now he did, but he wasn't. So he went to St. Peter's. But still, even if you're not recruited by other schools, Seton Hall is literally 10 minutes down the road. 
I'll tell you something else about St. Peter's. 54%, this is not a high number, of students graduate within six years. That's because people come and go. It, it, it's a school where people work most of the time. There are part-time students. There are grad students and adults. This is not a program that was easy to build into any kind of good team um, because there's no continuity on campus, much less the basketball program. They weren't even the best wait, team wait, in the wait, wait, conference. Are you trying to say that like being a commuter school and like not seeing the same people at like the student <laughs> union is like affecting Shaheen's Holloway's ability to create stability that, on the basketball the market, team? Is that the market inefficiency here? Uh, well, well, we're going to find out. I will say we're gonna, this. We're going to find out when, our, when Montclair State moves to D1 next year. Oh, we'll we'll yeah. find out. Dear Lord. I will say this. Our model may not have nailed St. Peter's, but we did get off to a damn good start yesterday, and we sort of planted our flag early. Um, and, and I thought it was cool because it wasn't for the reasons we always do. We, as you know, did a real heel turn on Providence. <laughs> yeah. We were trashing Providence on this this podcast for a month. And I'd like to say that uh, it was our influence that made the line like Providence minus two took away any edge. Had everybody, I think Sandy, uh, South Dakota State was like the most bet on underdog. Who, like yeah, the more, more, money, more money on South Dakota State as an underdog than any potential killer in the field big and we told you, jackrabbit big jackrabbit yeah. out there people falling in love with the nickname and not you know l listening with their heads they're just listening at their hearts you know they're, right. they're paying way too much you, attention to big jackrabbit we told you last episode that the value had been sucked out of that game and that we were going with providence and right. i put my money where my mouth was and i bet them in all my brackets didn't look great the whole time but they came through so I hope uh, you yeah. listen to us. And I walked outside and I saw an irritated looking priest kicking the hell out of a rabbit on the street. And oh it was just God. it was oh. just that kind of day. You know, it was just that kind of day. That's, that's so just dark. disturbing, Peter. Stomping, like, stomping, stomping. You're it, was off. it was terrible. So the first two games of the day were that one and our best upset on the board, Michigan. Again, I was worried about that one. You're missing your starting point guard. That's not good. People were on Michigan as well, but we stuck with it. I think we what we had them at a fifty-eight percent chance to win, and, uh, yeah. and they came through. And I mean, we're we're guys who love to pick teams like Stephen F. Austin or earlier in our lives VCU teams coming out of nowhere from mid majors to topple the power giants, and here we are, forced by matchups and seedings to say. No, don't go for the most popular underdog in the country. Oh, and yes, the most the most potent giant killer in the field, team you probably never even heard of before, is Michigan. I mean, yeah. it's a it's a it's a tough year for the model, you know. But we saw so I, I going back to the Providence game for a second. I I like the way it played out because it was what we were saying would happen when South Dakota State had to really rely on giant killing tendencies everyone was all over their three-point shooting have they faced a decent perimeter defense all year so they shot seven to 23 from three and when they couldn't rely on that they had nowhere else to fall back on they had five offensive rebounds the turnover battle was even and providence had enough size to get on the offensive boards 11 11 offensive rebounds they scored inside south dakota state didn't have anywhere else to turn when the threes weren't falling in buckets including their own defense. Right. 
They couldn't get a stop because they hadn't gotten a stop all season. And and I will say this, we were feeling really good out of the gate, right? We lined up the first two games on the scoreboard. I was like, oh, we got Providence and Michigan right here. Like, if we are going to have a good opening day, we got to start 2-0 on these two games. You know, Providence over South Dakota State, big jackrabbit going down. Then we had Michigan, Colorado State, the the inverse, the reverse giant killers where, like you said, it feels icky to, to say, hey – People are sleeping on Michigan's giant killing chances, <laughs> um, but they did. They did prevail. Uh, we weren't a hundred percent. We didn't bat a thousand on some of these upset picks. No, we'll but that's it. my fault because I started texting you my my bets and my parlay picks after those first two games, and I, I jinxed the rest of the day. So I'll, I'll take that one. Okay, okay, because we did we did miss not necessarily miss, but we were not as high on New Mexico State and Richmond, and we you know what? Let's get into these previews for the second round matchups. Richmond Providence. So we just talked about Providence and the Friars, why we've hated on them for so long, but this matchup here is spicy because you have a Richmond team coming out of a conference that we really liked their giant killing uh, tendencies, their traits. And our model here has a 34% upset chance, uh, a 12 seed Richmond, the Spiders taking down Providence. Peter, what do you think about this matchup? I like it for Richmond for a few reasons. All season long, our model put Richmond right up there with the other more famous, more nationally publicized teams in the A-10 as a giant killer. Uh, We always thought Richmond was a slightly better giant killer than Davidson or Dayton or VCU, even though they weren't as good a team. They keep, as we saw yesterday, they're very disciplined. They keep the game dragged to a slow tempo. They can hit threes when they need to, but they also excel when they work it and get easy inside baskets. They're a tough team. And maybe this is the time we drag back out all of our criticisms about Providence being uh, generic and overseeded and the beneficiary of a whole basket load of close wins. Which they did, so, which they right. prevailed against South Dakota State, right? They won another close game. So They I, did. Oh my, it's, I think the nation is going to fall in love with Jacob Gilliard. This kid, I mean, I don't know if you can call him a kid. He's probably you know 23 years old at this point. But 5'9", um, Plays a lot like Trey Young, pulling up from deep. You know, he's got, he's what he had 18, uh, sorry, 24 points, six assists, six rebounds in this game and played his, his tail off in the, in the conference final. I love watching this kid play and he just seems like incredibly steely and disciplined. I like this team a lot, especially with Burton up front. Um, so I'd like the upset pick here. Uh, Richmond Spiders over the Friars. The, the public is is in love with Richmond right now. I think they're even hotter than we would be um, in terms of implied odds at 43% at DraftKings. We're at like 34%. I think this is a strong upset pick. If you want to go like like Jordan has been hammering, if you, if you pick the upset in round one on Richmond, pick the upset here. Uh, it's a really spicy matchup for, for, uh, for Richmond. Right. And at this point, your brackets are already filled out, so you don't have to worry about value at this point. And right, you're probably not getting the best odds uh, on on your favorite sports book at this point, I don't care. I'm still picking Richmond. Yeah, had had this been before Selection Sunday, there'd be a question of whether you're filling out brackets, and so does it matter what happens in typical four twelve matchups where the twelve seed wins about thirty percent of the times historically? But you know, 
that's just a gauge of how likely this is historically to happen. Wherever the market's at, I think we all feel good about this Richmond team, specifically because of its like giant slaying traits, not just because they're a cool, you know, one of the cool mid-majors who are left, which is, I think, how people often land on these things. Well, we've got another one that doesn't feature any mid-majors, Tennessee, Michigan. Do the Wolverines have it in them to pull off a second straight giant killing upset, Peter? I think this is another case, uh, as with Providence, where the reasons that we were queasy about a team the first time around, but we picked them anyway, um, we can now go back to embracing our, our dislike about what's wrong <laughs> with Michigan. Um, you know, our model only gives this a 19% chance of happening. That's essentially because it sees Tennessee as a very strong team, a very strong job. Yep. I mean, one of the top 12 or 13 teams in the, in the country. And again, it's it's hard for an underdog to get, you know, 40 or 50% chances against any team that, that's good. Tennessee has a good, Tennessee has a good collection of everything you want to see, right? And and, and now all the criticisms of Michigan, um, I, I think, seem seem fair. There's just a big, I feel like there's just a big gap between these teams as evidence. Yeah, in our, and Michigan... Michigan, they had an efficient offense, but if you've watched them this year, they can go through real droughts. They don't force any turnovers on defense. And Tennessee is already winning the possession battle against virtually anyone because they mix a lot of turnovers on defense with really, really good offensive rebounding, too. So I just don't see where Michigan goes to counteract that unless they suddenly become a scorching three-point shooting team, which is generally not their game. Right, and you also have to remember that... uh... You know, they're missing their point guard right now, Michigan. So we'll see what happens with the concussion protocols with Michigan and Devontae Jones. That made me nervous going into the Colorado State game. It's like, oh, we were picking that Michigan upset. And then, of course, they lose their point guard. So we'll see what happens there. I think I think we're getting off the Michigan bandwagon here, right, guys? Rocky top, baby. Yeah, we. you know, the thing is we liked we, – we haven't really mentioned Longwood, which, had, which is a team with – Really good collection of giant killing traits. Tennessee squelched them. I mean, they gave them no chance, no chance to just get things going. And, um, you know, Tennessee's going to build a lot of possessions in this game against Michigan. And it's it protect them from any kind of off-night shooting, which they, you know, they were they were shot 60%, I think, on threes in the first round. But they're going to build a lot of possessions. All right. We're going to move now to Arkansas, four seed against number 12 seed, New Mexico State. I'm going to go all first take on you guys right here. Oh, please. Jordan, did UConn lose this game or did New Mexico State win it? I don't know what I was watching with UConn. The most egregious, despicable act of that game was that UConn wasn't shooting well, but they also weren't getting their offensive rebounds. They entered the game as the best offensive rebounding team in the country. That's why I thought they had this great buffer. I didn't think UConn was a great team. I just thought New Mexico State was, like we talked about, kind of generic as as a killer. And I thought even if UConn shot poorly, they'd go get the ball on the offensive glass. And what did they have? Eight offensive rebounds, the same as New Mexico State. It never materialized. Jordan, with five minutes left in the first half, they had one offensive yeah. rebound is that right? and it's not like they weren't missing shots by the way <laughs> through the first 15 minutes of the game they took 45 percent of their shots from behind the arc they hit only 30 percent of them they were seven for 23 both of those numbers the seven and the 23 are disturbing but what's even more disturbing is uh nobody was in position to collect any rebounds from all of those threes clanging off the rim it was 
I kept waiting. I kept waiting for them to get physical, to go inside, to crash the boards. I actually kept waiting for RJ Cole to trust himself, just take the ball. And with everyone else missing and, 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 and not, not anywhere near the basket, I just kept waiting for him to just start driving for about six possessions in a row till they got back in the game. It never happened. It was, it was disappointing. I mean, it was. And, and as far as New Mexico state goes, you know, with a nod to the weirdo on Twitter who seems to be oddly obsessed with the fact that our model didn't love them. Uh, <laughs> look, we knew Teddy Allen could play. We have he a went off. What we didn't, it, what no one could have anticipated was New Mexico State shooting 11 of 17 from three. If you don't, again, yeah. play that game 100 times, they're not going to go 11 for 17 from three again. So randomness rears its ugly head again. That shouldn't happen. It did. And you know what? They won by seven. So Arkansas, though, do, I mean, are we are we now going to ride New Mexico State to keep that flame going against Arkansas, or are we feeling like you know what Arkansas? Despite uh, you know, I don't think we were really big on them against Vermont. I actually was very sad to see that Vermont, the Catamounts, did not pull off that upset. Very close, um, but Arkansas, New Mexico State. How do we feel about this one? So I thought we were we were about twenty nine percent on Arkansas against Vermont, which surprised me it was that high, but we were ahead of the market. I think people were giving Vermont a better chance than than a twenty nine percent chance to beat Arkansas. So big from a model perspective, big cop and wrath, big cop yeah, and wrath, big, yep. big catamount. Uh, but I was very happy with um, that from a model perspective. Arkansas's a good giant in that they they have they don't have any one glaring weakness. They do all the possession game things pretty well. Turnovers, rebounding at both ends, and they play fast. If you watch them, it was it, it was a little bit reminiscent of last year's game against Colgate. They go mm-hmm. on these spurts and then they let the team back in and they go on another spurt and they let the team back in. But they have a lot of ways to beat you. I- I'm not feeling good about New Mexico State's chances against them unless, again, they really pack it in on defense, make Arkansas shoot a ton of threes. They're not a good outside shooting team. That's their path. I, I was actually one- watching the game wondering if Arkansas's experience against Colgate actually helped in this game because Vermont's path was to do what Vermont actually has done in its past couple of appearances, which is just open up its open up their game even further, shoot a ton of threes. Um, and they did, and it wasn't good enough the last couple of times. It wasn't good enough this time. Arkansas is intriguing because, as Jordan said, they're not just not good from shooting from outside. They're terrible. And their effective field goal percentage on the season is just above 49%. That's about 220th in the country. Yet, they have the 35th most efficient offense in the entire country. How is that possible? It's because they protect the ball and they're really good at offensive rebounding. And so they're used to doing everything that it takes to win on a night where they're not shooting well, which is really what you want in a giant, right? In a big, oh, in a big, shall I say, overdog the overdog is protected if its talent superiority in shooting doesn't translate into a scoring margin right because it builds possessions arkansas does that well and all i can say is if new mexico state thinks it's going to shoot from three again like that in this round godspeed without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done. All right. Well, we got to keep moving here. St. Peter's, Murray State. We're, we're, we're previewing giant killing qualified matchups. That's at least five seeds different. So we're not going to go through every single matchup here that that ha- that's on the board. St. Mary's, uh, UCLA, just because, I mean, it's, it's too evenly uh, seeded teams. But we have Murray State, St. Peter's. Are we going to keep riding the Bergen Catholic, the the uh, the St. Peter's commuter school train, or are we are we getting off with Murray State? I was all prepared to be talking about Murray State as a killer against Kentucky, and our model actually had them pegged with a forty two percent chance to win. Instead, they got to put on their giant hats, but they're pretty good giant, aren't they, Peter? Yes, uh, we're just talking about Arkansas doing what it takes. Murray State does what it takes at an even higher level. Um, they, they they do force turnovers. They do hit the boards. They're the 12th best offensive rebounding team uh, in the country. Kentucky, though. Kentucky is and the same thing. They shoot well from inside and outside. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kentucky. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, two days ago, we were talking about trying to incorporate a Shibway factor into our model. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to blame everything on randomness. Uh, Kentucky versus Murray State would have been a fun matchup, but... Uh, and I love the stash, okay? But it, but this is, um, let's just say our model thinks uh, Murray State's going to shave St. Peter's. Wow, good. All right, yeah, because our model has it as a 14% chance of an upset for St. Peter's. They're plus 330 at DraftKings right now as we're recording this. The implied odds are a 23% chance of an upset. So the St. Peter's, if you want to pick them, we're fine with it. Um, but we, we actually see Murray State being a really good giant here, number seven over number 15. Um, we have a few of the number one seeds here. Gonzaga, Memphis, Baylor, North Carolina, Kansas, Creighton. I'll just say it from the top. We don't love Creighton's chances of all of the matchups on the board here. We're staying very far away from uh, from Creighton upsetting Kansas. Just a 5% chance on at the, the slingshot model has of an upset there. So let's talk about one that we actually are really big on is Memphis. Uh Emini Bates is back. Uh, Penny Hardaway is coaching this team well, and they're going against Gonzaga that was really close to getting upset as a, a number 16 seed. Georgia State gave him a lot down the, you know, for, for what, like 30 minutes of that game. So Gonzaga, Memphis. Memphis right now is DraftKings has him as a plus 500 underdog. I actually, I, I think we need to look at this one. There's a little value there. I think we've talked about before the tournament that as good as good as Gonzaga is, they're a better team than they are a giant uh, because of the possession game. They don't force turnovers. They're only a middling offensive rebounding team. They don't take a ton of threes. So there's not as much variance to their game. Memphis is coming on and they do some things very well. Fifth best offensive rebounding team in the country. First forced turnovers in 20.7% of possessions. They're obviously not a good three-point shooting team. They don't take a lot. They don't make. Well, they, they hit 36% of them, but they don't. They only take them on 31% of possession. So they're going to have to have some chameleon-like uh, performances in offense, Peter. Right. Well, I think that's a plus, uh, not a minus, right? If you, if you, for a smart team, for a smartly coached team, and a team that realizes it's going up against an underdog. Look, if you're already operating at maximum efficiency, and those are your numbers, mm. how much more, how much room do you have left to grow? But in this case, they do shoot well from outside, but they don't take those shots very often. So maybe they will take those shots more against Gonzaga. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's an intriguing, it, it's still a long shot for sure, but it's by far the most intriguing upset pick 
on the, the one or two lines that we've seen so far? UNC. I mean, Kenny, Kenny Smith, of course. He's a, he's a Tar Heel himself. He picked North Carolina to, I think, win it all. Um, I think when you look at North Carolina, it's a lot of recency bias here is that they're playing very well. Um, and they, they took care of business in their first round matchup. But against Baylor, uh, we don't like this. Like Compared to the, the Vegas DraftKings, the implied odds, we're, we're very low on UNC's upset potential against Baylor. Why is that? Well, Baylor, counter to what we were saying about Gonzaga, is built to be a giant. Mm. Top 10 offensive rebounding team. Top 20 enforcing turnovers. Lots and lots of fallback options for on days where they're not shooting well. And Carolina is not built to be a killer by any any stretch of the imagination. Never force turnovers. The, it's really interesting to see how that how that sort of differs from the way you're used to a Carolina team playing, getting out in the passing lanes, getting out and running. They do play fast, but they don't force turnovers. They're about an average offensive rebounding team, slightly above average. So they don't have a lot of ways to create extra possessions. So Baylor comes in with that ahead of them, and they're a better team. It's hard to script a, a, a reason for a Carolina upset here. Yeah, Baylor's not just a good team and a good giant. They're a good particular kind of giant. We, we'll see some teams, statistically, um, protect the ball very well as their way to preserve and build the value of their possessions. Uh, and sometimes we focus on avoiding turnovers rather than generating turnovers. Baylor is what we call a gambling giant. They not only amass offensive rebounds, but they clamp down the perimeter. Um, they don't allow many shots and they force a lot of turnovers. And that type of team, just statistically speaking, whatever style of play generates it, does very well in the early rounds of tournaments uh, historically. Yeah, and I don't like the value here for UNC at plus 190. The implied odds is you know 34%. I think when you look at value on the board, we much prefer Richmond and Memphis. Uh, you know, I really like Memphis's value there, the edge that you have with a, a really a big underdog against Gonzaga. Um, you know, UNC, maybe this is when I go on my rant. How is Wake Forest not in this field? The Mountain West oh, got geez. four teams. Oh, good Lord. Four teams. Oh, good Lord. Boise look, State. Wild. You've got a sweet NIT matchup against VCU to prepare for. Let's uh, just... let's, let's stay in the here and the now, okay? Wait, 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 wait. I hear, is that a phone call? We have a phone call from a Texas A&M fan on the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I get it. Like, But but four four Mountain West teams, and they all just got wiped out in the tournament. First oh, well, time. That, that's, a different, that's a different question. Yeah. Look, I mean, the Mountain West. I mean, yeah. Like why? Why? why last time I checked, last time I checked, Wake Forest. Uh, well, leaving aside Wake Forest, yes, the mountain, the Mountain West is taking a bath, and and we just like to point out that I believe that is the least beloved of uh, any mid-major conference by our statistical model, other right. than the really small ones. Wouldn't you say, Jordan? The model has essentially never picked a team coming out of the Mountain West to really do anything. We should take a look at what how how they profile as a group. Hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm just bitter. Maybe I'm just bitter. And you know what? We'll probably lose to VCU. You know, uh, it's just, it's just, why do we have to have Boise State and all these other teams from the Mountain West? They're terrible. Let's get them out of here. Get them out of here. Anything else? Last thoughts on the first day of the tournament. That Wake Forest VCU game is going to be a hell of a lot more entertaining than UConn. <laughs> I, uh, I'm excited to do it again today. And then we'll have another pod for you uh, tomorrow, looking at Sunday's matchups. That's right. There's a train behind me, the hot take train, trying to get us out of here. Um, 
yeah, go go subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast. Not just listen, subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends. We'll have another one, like Jordan said, out uh, right after the, the games today, previewing the next day's matchup. So appreciate you listening. And go St. Peter's. It's fun. Sometimes you don't have to nerd out and uh, always trust the spreadsheets. It's always fun to watch a St. Peter's team go. Even though, you know what? Think we, I'm not blaming you, Peter, but you, you had to hammer the Peter namesake a lot harder in the first episode. We had a missed opportunity. I know. I blew my time on Bryant, who didn't make it out of that first four <laughs> game. I really did. I'll say this, though. Watch out for Adam Flagler, right? He's going to hit. What's the over-under on the number of threes he'll make against North Carolina? I'll say five. That's my next bold prediction. He's going to hit five games as Baylor destroys UNC. Five threes, you mean. You said five games. Oh, well, it's not going to be five games, so it must have been five threes. <laughs> Over <laughs> but they, four they, and a half, yes. They, 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 they take him in a five-game series, too, but no, I, I meant five threes. All right, the first day is in the books. Super excited to see what happens from here on out. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you soon on the Underdogs Podcast. kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. Exploreminnesota.com slash live.